before the episode starts, I just want to say that there is an audio error on my end for the entire podcast. I accidentally had two microphones picking up the audio, which led to there being an echo for the entire episode. The guest that I have on did not have that echo, which you'll see in the podcast. I hope you enjoy anyway. It isn't too bad. But yeah, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Goal Line Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Seifer, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. And today's a pretty special episode. We have a guest. Why don't you introduce yourself, Rob? Uh, what's up, everybody? I am Rob, um, otherwise known as Rob Talks Football um, on TikTok. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's my first podcast, like, ever. Um, guesting, guesting on or otherwise. <laughs> yeah, you're big Ravens fan here. So I, I really want to start the episode by talking about your favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, for sure. And uh, I mean, the question here, right? They're in a very, very stacked AFC, especially that division too, AFC oh, North. Yeah. With the Browns, you know, you got last year's AFC champion, the Bengals in that division. And the Ravens are no slouch either, though. They're coming back with a lot more players that are actually healthy this year. That's the big difference. What do you think the expectations should be for this Ravens team? Do you think it's do you think it's a little bit of you know getting your hopes a little bit too high to say that this team can make a deep playoff run? Um, I don't think I don't think it's too high of an expectation of them. Um, regardless of past playoff success and obviously this past season with injuries. It, all those injuries, that was just a horrible, horrible string of bad luck, which can literally happen to any team. Um, unfortunately, it just happened to the Ravens. I mean, it happened to the 49ers like two years ago or something. Yeah, if you remember, that um, was the year after that. After they made it to the Super Bowl, they missed the playoffs because they just had a huge string of injuries. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, it, it happens to everybody. You know, again, yeah, like we just said, 49ers, one of the best teams in the NFC. And then the year, af- year after they lose the Super Bowl, boom, miss the playoffs. So anything's possible. Um, high expectations, no. I mean, every every year for the contending teams, playoff contending teams, it, you know, the idea is Super Bowl or bust. But, I mean, an AFC championship game appearance is honestly more of a win at least compared to these last few seasons for Baltimore than anything else. Um, just with the, the offensive scheme that they run, staying healthy, all that stuff. Um, my hopeful prediction is obviously like a 13 and four, 14 and three kind of season. Um, realistically though, I expect probably like 12 and five, something like that. Yeah. No, the thing that really prevents me from saying, you know, 12 and five ish is you look at their schedule. It's very, very, Difficult, in all honesty. But, I mean, you look at what this team has. There's not really much holding them back. Their running back room is as deep as it gets with J.K. Dobbins coming off a major injury, but he should still be a very good running back. He had a very good rookie year. Gus Edwards behind him. He's one of the best backup running backs in the league. They brought in Mike Davis. Yeah, they brought in Mike Davis. And Justice Hill, he's a guy who was getting a lot of hype. Before, Before J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, and of course, he ended up getting injured. And, you know, that tight end room with Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle and the offensive line, they brought in Morgan Moses and Tyler Linderbaum 
they should be a very good unit. But of course, with that offense, and you mentioned the offensive scheme, which definitely makes this whole not as major as it would be for any other team. But the wide receiver core is definitely not a very good unit. And how do you think this will affect that team? Yeah, it's not it's not great. On paper, it's not great. Um, obviously, you got Rashad Bateman, um, who showed flashes as a rookie. But I mean, again, any any player can show flashes and still not like make the hype. Um, and so he's right now, a guy who I I had Rashad Bateman as the number one receiver in that class, which not many people agreed with. But I still think, in terms of talent, he can absolutely be one of the premier receivers in this league. And I know that that's a high bar. But I really think he could reach it if you look at what he was able to do in college. And last year when he was on the field, which keep in mind, he missed the first couple weeks of the season. He was a very, very good receiver. Exactly. And and he did. He had most of that production. He had like half of his production was with Lamar Jackson as the starter. And then the other half of his production was with Tyler Huntley, Josh and uh, John Johnson for a game. So. And he and he looked good. So it's like if he can look good with backups throwing him the football, just imagine a full offseason and a former MVP throwing him the football instead. Um, but overall, that wide receiver room is so it, it, it's the potentials there. But as of right now, it's it's my expectations are low for them. Um, but I'm hoping I'm proven wrong in the best way possible. <laughs> but again, the thing is, the offensive scheme does help limit the impact that weakness will have on the team because Greg Roman's offense, a lot of people hate on him and I completely understand it, but in terms of running the ball, other than Kyle Shanahan, he's definitely up there in terms of designing run plays. He's definitely one of the best at that. And yeah, you know, the pass offense that he designs isn't, well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's not good. He does not design a very good passing game. No. And having the lack of receivers definitely doesn't help that. But you look at this team and how it's built. It is built to run the ball. I mentioned the running back depth. They have the depth to be able to just run the ball a lot. Of course, their quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, and even if he goes down again, Tyler Huntley, also a very good runner. That's what this team's built to do. So I don't think the lack of receivers, will it hurt them in the long run? Probably. And that's what's going to hold them back from making it too far in the playoffs. But – in terms of regular season success, they can do a lot by just running the ball. Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. And it's like, yeah, it's a passing league nowadays, but like what everyone says, like once it gets colder and, you know, like the football just becomes like a rock and it's like, you might as well just ground and pound and win that way further into the season. And, you know, if you obviously you just need to have those playmakers in the air um, in the receiving threats to make those plays when necessary. Now, right now, the only proven threat like true proven threat they have is mark andrews but i mean we've seen travis kelsey do it you know like the chiefs have done it they've had one they've had one good receiver and travis kelsey and they've made it work um so i mean there's no i mean it's a little bit of a stretch just because i mean it's andy Reid um and that offensive scheme but i mean it's not too too far of a stretch to say that you know all all you might need is a good wide receiver one great tight end and hopefully everyone else just does their job and it looks like the rest of that offense is built to be able to do that without the passing game. I mean, again, I mentioned the offensive line. High potential to be one of the best units in the entire league, like, in all honesty. And again, the the running back depth. I know I've said it a couple of times, but it's just amazing how they managed to form a running back room that's that deep. 
it's ridiculous. Even even the Mike Davis signing, I mean, he's probably just a camp body, but just that veteran experience and just the insurance so that another Devontae Freeman and like Latavius Murray situation doesn't happen like it did last year, it's still it's still fine. Like Mike Davis is a very serviceable guy to have as your worst case scenario running back three. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. And I, I mentioned Justice, Justice Hill. Hill. He's, He's a guy who I remember around like training camp, camp. I don't remember if it was, if it was training camp, camp or OTAs, but at some point during the offseason process, Ravens coaches were high on Justice Hill. Hill. Like, oh, really he was high. The, he was like the fastest running back of his draft class. He's like, he is extru- like r- ridiculously fast. And I just don't think there's enough tape to like show that, at least on the NFL level, just because he hasn't gotten the touches. But he's, yeah, he's and, extremely fast and a great can easily be a great third down back. It just depends on if he gets on the field. But I think J.K. Dobbins will take that role just because oh, of yeah. his balance. And I mean, again, if he stays healthy and he rehabs well. And the, the thing, thing is, is, a lot of those guys, guys are coming off injuries. But I mean, it's hard to imagine that J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards and Justice Hill will all come back and be. That, that much worse. worse. Like, like maybe, maybe one, one of those guys, guys I don't know if it's gonna be Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, but one of them is not gonna be the same guy. But they're gonna at least have one bell cow guy. I, I think that's without a doubt. Yeah, I mean my my money would just would be Dobbins. Um yeah, yeah, but that's also banking on whether or not he comes back from the injury. My point is just one of those guys isn't gonna come back the same, and hopefully the other two do. Oh yeah, I mean again, and it's just a toss up of who of who does, and then obviously yeah. the odd one out doesn't. But you know that's just kind of how it goes. How about we move over, over to the defensive side of the ball, where I also very good. Oh, uh, good. let's start with the secondary because that's that's the highlight of the defense. I don't think there's much of a debate about that. You got Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Fuller, Marcus Williams, and Kyle Hamilton, and you also got depth guys like Jalen Armour Davis. And Chuck Clark. Clark. Like, like that is not, not only a deep secondary, but also the guys at the top of the depth chart are phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, Marlon Humphrey had a down year this past year, but honestly, it was, it was just a Bengals game, though. So exactly. I mean, and that was like always a say historically that. bad game. Yeah. People always say that, but you get rid of the Bengals game. Did he look like the same elite corner throughout the entire season? No, but he was still a damn good one. Yeah. And especially, you know, if your whole if your whole team is like is injured or just not playing as well, your play is not going to look that good compared to the rest of them either. And that you know that's just the unfortunate situation of the game. But he, I mean, he comes back. Marcus Peters comes back even at like 85 percent of what he was when he, in uh in twenty twenty. I mean that duo right there again has the potential to be top five if not top three. Kyle Hamilton. His game speed is ridiculous. I, I'd be shocked if they only have him back there at safety and not lined up in the slot or covering tight ends. Chuck Clark, same, de- same deal. Um, but probably put him closer into the box um, on, like, run plays and stuff like that. Jalen Armour Davis is my only real concern, only because he's had injury issues. But, again, as, like, a depth rookie, I don't expect him to see the field, too, like, too often to where the risk of injury is super high, at least as a rookie. There's two additions that I feel like you failed to mention. I just want to hear your opinion on them. I'm just curious as to why you didn't mention them. You didn't mention Marcus Williams and Kyle Fuller, who I think at least early in the year, Fuller is going to be playing that slot cornerback role. And then if Jalen Armour Davis is good enough, then Fuller might be riding the bench. 
but then Marcus, Marcus Williams, Williams I, I, I like Chuck Clark. Clark. Like, he's, he's a good depth piece, but I, I think without a doubt, he's going to be on the field much more than Chuck Clark now. Oh, that's fair. Um, that Yeah, I'll say that was my that was bad. But I do think they might run – they might end up running a lot more, like, cover three kind of deals to so just have three safeties on the field, which would then be Williams, Clark, and Hamilton all, all at once, which I think would be honestly great because um, they all have the ability to do everything. Um, but Chuck Clark is kind of just the odd man out um, in terms of coverage-wise. But, again, his inte- his football, like, on-the-field intelligence just kind of, like, gives him that little boost. Um, but Marcus Williams is going to benefit – everybody so much because that's they finally have a true free safety to back them up um in case they get beat so obviously marcus peters is going to benefit so much and just be the ball hawk that he's known to be marlon humphrey has a chance to actually go after the football more instead of just trying to force the fumble or just make the tackle so that they don't get the first down every everyone benefits from marcus williams more than anyone else and you talked a little bit about Kyle Hamilton as like a box player, which I, I think that's like going to be his main role. I think the main reason he got drafted as high as he did is because of his ability to lock down the tight end, which didn't used to be that important of a role. But nowadays, when you when you want to compete in the AFC, that means you got to be able to lock up Travis Kelsey. That means you got to be able to lock up Darren Waller. Kyle Hamilton is very good for it, and that's the reason that they brought him in. Oh, easily. Um. And yeah, I think that's honestly probably per- that's probably a perfect setup for him, especially like early in the season. If they're just kind of like, "Hey, go out there, cover this guy, just stick with him." That's it. Uh, at least just in like man coverage and stuff like that. But yeah, him and him and Clark, I think are just gonna are just gonna be like in a rotation of like who's gonna be on the tight end, who's gonna be the run stuffer, everything like that. Williams is just gonna be is I would probably get, I would put a lot of money on it. Just be like sit back there. No one gets over the top, and that's your job. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was, was his job, job on the Saints. Saints. That, that was exactly what he did. did. But, but you, I want to talk more about that box, specifically the second level of the defense. defense. They got Patrick, Patrick Queen, who was a spectacular, spectacular run defender, pass defender. He's just a very good young linebacker, very fast too. But other than him, who's the other off-ball linebacker that you think is going to help this Ravens team? Because I look at the depth chart, there's not a definitive starter there, I'm going to be honest. You're not wrong. There's really not. After Queen, it's just going to end up being a rotation of guys. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, uh, but he's the brother or the cousin of Zach Orr, who used to be a Baltimore um, Ravens linebacker. Um, He's an undrafted guy who has been showing up in camp um, from what I've seen. Um, Malik Harrison, the uh, the third rounder, the third or fourth rounder they drafted, I think the same year as Patrick Queen. Um, the expectation is hopefully he'll make that step, um, step up to be the second linebacker um, on the depth chart. Yeah, that's that's a major issue for me. I mean, if they want to bring back LJ Fort, that'd be cool. Um, maybe Josh Bynes, um, if they don't already have him back. But yeah, other than Patrick Queen, it's just it's a rough little little situation there but i think that the secondary will make up for that and if they put chuck clark or kyle hamilton down there to back up queen and whoever else is linebacking back um down there it'll be fine it'll be serviceable (laughs) so i I look at this defensive line and that is the key part of making up for maybe a lackluster run linebacker core and it isn't even lackluster because patrick queen is just that good he could kind of make up for that lack of a second guy but if you really want yeah 
if you really want to make up for not having the best linebacker core, the trick to that is having good run defenders on the defensive line. And when you got Odafe Owe, Calais Campbell, and then Travis Jones maybe coming in later in the year, oh boy, they're going to be set. Oh, and I mean, and they also they uh they brought uh, Michael Pearson, um, Michael to help, Pierce, yeah. you know, help shore up that uh that D line as well. Um, what else they got? Uh, Justin Matabike, who was like a third, I think a third rounder they drafted like two years ago. Um, and I believe they also have Dalen Hayes, who was a linebacker they had last year, who uh was just out most of the season because of injury, just like literally everyone else. Um, that D line rotation is going to be so nasty because if they get that rotation going they get it going like in a good flow, like can't like Calais is probably the best is the best pass rushing D lineman on that team. Get him, um, get him like in a good rotation and um, what is it like? Like third down, stuff like that. He'll kill. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. If, <laughs> if you're talking about like interior defensive line, I completely agree. Calais Campbell is that top guy, but, Odafe, oh, way, I'm pretty sure takes the cake as like their star pass rush guy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, if we're talking about just pure pat, like pure pass rushing ability and just potential, OA is there. He's that guy. Now, you just mentioned potential, and that is a key part to this next player that I want to talk about on this Ravens defense. David Ojabo. I think arguably, like, one, one of the best, best picks in the draft, undeniably. I really, I really do think that. that. Especially in terms of value. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's what I mean. This guy, there was a point where we were talking about him as like a top 10 pick. That injury happened. I get it. That's worrying. That's worrying. And he probably had every right to fall as far as he did. But if this works out for them, if Ojabo does play up to the level that we thought that he would be able to play up, for, up to before the injury, this, this could, could be seen, seen as the best pick in the draft. draft. Like, that's, that's the reality of it. Do you think that there's a chance, not even that there's a chance, do you think that there's an opportunity for Ojabo to take that complimentary pass rush role this year? Oh, yeah. It's not going to be until later in the year um, just because of his injury. But if if slash when he sees the field, uh, I mean that that pick was a hundred percent a Mike um, was a McDonald pick on uh, the new Ravens defensive coordinator. Um, obviously, he coached Ojabo. Uh, he he knows. In Michigan. Yeah, he he know he knows who he is as a player. Like even even if Ojabo is only like seventy five percent of who he was, that's still it's still a great going to be a great pick. And then pairing him with Odafe on the other side, like again, massive potential. But again, it's just potential right now. Um, but Wink Martindale, the DC last year, his scheme was not very pass rush oriented, um, even though it was very blitz heavy, ironically. Um, so I, I'm honestly just, I'm just more excited to see how the whole D line just performs under a new DC and just, and everything. So you mentioned Wink Martindale and the defensive coordinator change. That's the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to this Ravens defense. Do you think the change... From Wink Martindale, who's seen as one of the most respected defensive coordinators in all of football, to the new guy, do you think that that is good for this defense? Do you think that's an upgrade, or do you think that's more of a long-term move as he gets used to the NFL that will benefit him? Um, I think I think it's a slight upgrade. Um, just depending on how you how you prefer your defense to be run. Um, 
again, Wink was great for the three, um, three, four years he was the defensive coordinator. I want to say three years. Um, but his scheme ended up getting a little too predictable. Just everyone knew he's blitz heavy. Um, and he would blitz deep his DBs and then drop his pass rushers or linebackers uh, back into coverage. And it was just, I understand the thought process behind it. You know, misdirection, confuse the QB. So, you know, your secondary can obviously just feast. Um, but at some point, it's just it's time to go. And that's what they did. They hired McDonald, who I think had like the top ranked defense in college football or something like that. Um, and yeah, I think it's an upgrade. I think the D, the D line um, benefits the most just because I think it's going to be more pass rush oriented and obviously they still and then they still revamped the secondary so if the pass rush is eating that means the secondary will get to eat more if the qbs are more under more pressure more turnovers and i think that's the identity that they're going to try and go for this year is just turnovers honestly so i started this podcast asking you about the ravens and whether or not they'll be able to succeed this year and i think a key part to not just success this year but suggest but success for the next multiple years depends on their former MVP franchise quarterback. How do you feel about this entire situation with him not showing up to OTAs and the contract situation, just the entire thing? So I understand the concern um, just because Lamar's got no agent. So it's like, he's just, he's doing everything himself. And that's like, it's just very rare to see, especially from a quarterback. Um, and, you know, with the slow, like when the news cycle is slow, you know, just kind of drop Lamar Jackson's name in there or, or Kyler Murray's or someone and get get the clicks. Um, it's fine. It's a little overblown. He'll he'll sign when he signs. He's betting on himself this year. And if we don't make the Super Bowl, I still believe he signs. Worst case scenario, he doesn't. And the Ravens make the biggest mistake of their life. But I don't see that happening because – you don't just let a franchise quarterback walk. And because he's missing voluntary OTAs, keyword voluntary, um, he's just training and practicing himself. And, you know, quarterbacks do that all the time. So, so he, here is my just, – I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I don't completely agree with the people that say this, but this is just a popular opinion on mine. Don't you think with his quarterback style and how likely he is to get injured playing that way, that it probably would be safer for him to sign a deal at this moment. Oh, for sure. But um, just again, like your whole goal as an NFL player is to get that second contract because that second contract is really like your like that's your generational wealth money right there, um, and that's your like that's your safety net, especially um, at quarterback. Oh, especially quarterback. Um, but it's difficult because yeah his his style um his style of play i guess historically has not held up well i mean like michael vick uh other like i can't i honestly can't even think of other uh colin kaepernick is another one um carson wentz carson yep carson wentz there you go um but i think his quote-unquote style is also more of a result of the offensive scheme aka greg roman very like you, when he was in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick ran way more. But then, as soon as Greg Roman was gone, it was a whole that was a whole situation. Didn't run as much, but the whole team was had issues. Tyrod Taylor with the Bills, same issue, same thing. Lamar Jackson, the most talented 
mobile QB of the last 15 years, um, ever since prime Michael Vick. But he's got the arm talent, and he's got better arm talent than Colin Kaepernick ever did, better arm talent than Tyrod Taylor ever did. And outside of – he's got better arm talent than Michael Vick and everything except for pure arm strength. Like, Michael Vick had a cannon. Um, But I just can't – I can't see a world where – it's bad either way if he signs now or if he signs at the end of the season. Um, just worst case scenario is that he just doesn't sign. Um, and I think his style is fine because I think the way they revamped the offensive line with Morgan Moses and Tyler Linderbaum, uh, hopefully if Ronnie Stanley comes back and stays healthy at left tackle, um, their only real concerns would be right guard and left guard, but they have, they have depth at those positions where they don't really need like surefire guys. Um, and I mean, their whole goal is to protect, protect the QB and run the football. So if they can do that, Lamar will be fine. Um, quarterbacks get injured all the time. It, it, again, it's just the nature of the game. I don't think his bone bruise is going to affect his, his play or his style in any way, shape or form. So that's completely understandable. And I, I agree with you there. I don't think the play style or not that it won't affect him long term. But I think that the play style isn't really a factor, at least in Lamar's mind, because let's be honest, if it was, he's just as smart as these people on the media. If he was actually worried about getting hurt, he he would take the deal now. Like, like it's just that that's just how it is. And my original thought process on this entire situation was that he's just betting on himself, like you said. And, you know, with the... Price for a franchise quarterback only going up in terms of how much money's on that next deal, it's only been skyrocketing over each year. He sees that as an opportunity to maximize profit. That was my original opinion. But now that he's skipping OTA, that just doesn't really add up to me. Right? If he just wanted another contract, I don't get why he wouldn't be showing up right now. That That's what confuses me. And, you know, I mean, Josh Allen, I mean, obviously Josh Allen got paid, but like Josh Allen hasn't shown up to OTAs. Um, I mean, there's plenty of good players who just haven't shown up to voluntary OTAs because they're just, they're, they're voluntary. If he now, if he, if, if he decided to not show up for mandatory OTAs, that's a whole different story. Like if he goes out of his way and just doesn't show up to them, like at that point, then I, then I would start to actually be concerned. Um, and yeah, it probably would look good um, to the public eye if he did show up to, vol- to the OTAs because, you know, get the chemistry with his young wide receiver core, all that stuff. Um, but, I mean, he, he's been working out with Rashad Bateman um, all offseason. His chemistry with Andrews is already great. And his chemistry with Devin Duvernay, who's most likely going to be the wide receiver too, it's fine. And, and again, in a run-heavy run offense, I don't think that chemistry is, like, top priority. Um, when you already have the good, when you already have a decent chemistry with your wide receiver one, and amazing chemistry with your, your franchise, uh, franchise tight end. Um, but if, and if you really think about it, don't you think like after missing, missing I don't want to say the second, second half, half, but a large majority of the second half of the season last year, don't you think he should try and regain that chemistry? Because after a couple months of not really throwing to the guys, and yeah, I know he's done some stuff like weeks back, but still, I feel like after missing a majority of the second half of the season last year, he should want to make up for that missed time right now at these optional OTAs, no? 
Oh, I'll say, and I completely understand that thought process because I mean, in my, I mean, if if I was in that situation, I probably would just because, yeah, it's like, yeah, you've missed like a month, month and a half, or over like probably like two months or so, um, of that like routine and that chemistry, um, and I, at the end of the day, that's just, I guess, uh, that's more of just a Lamar choice. Obviously, we're not in his head, so we don't understand the thought process of what he's doing. Um, we can only speculate, and that's that's the best that we can do until he, if he decides he wants to speak, speak up about it or when they ask him about it, when he actually does end up showing up to uh, like training camp and everything like that. Um, but yeah. It, it really it does, does suck that we have to leave this as like an open-ended question. And he really just can't at least give us a little something as to why he's missing OTAs, but because he isn't, we're going to have to end this segment right here. But let's talk about another very strange and controversial quarterback situation right now. I want to talk about the entire Jimmy Garoppolo thing going on. What do you think of that entire situation with Trey Lance? Is he going to play? Is Garoppolo even going to be a 49er by the start of next season? What do you think? Oh, that situation is very interesting because obviously the first, the first thing you think of is, oh, you don't trade up to the third overall pick and draft a QB to have him sit for two years, you usually expect him to sit for one year and then he's going to be the starter next year. I mean, the Chiefs did it with Mahomes. The Ravens initially were going to do that with Lamar before the Joe Flacco injury, and then he became the starter. Um, and teams have been doing that more and more often recently. But either either there's an issue with Trey Lance where they're just not fully confident, or it's an issue with Jimmy G's contract. And that's why he hasn't left. He hasn't been traded yet. But also, there's not really a lot of teams that are in like a win now mode to, that are that would be willing to trade for him. I mean, my initial thought would be like the Panthers, but they just drafted. Uh, was it Matt Corral in the third? Yeah, yeah they, they drafted, drafted Matt Corral, and they traded for Sam Darnold. So it's like those those are two QBs right there that are younger on cheaper contracts. And so it, that doesn't make any sense. Um, the Bears drafted Justin Fields. They're not in win-now mode. Uh, like, it's just such an awkward situation to be in where it might end up just coming down to the preseason and training camp. And if Trey Lance looks like he's good to go, they might suck it up and just tell Jimmy G he's benched or just to not show up or they might just outright cut him. But if Trey Lance doesn't look good, then they might just be like, you know, Jimmy – play the first half of the season and if god forbid someone's qb gets injured and they need a start like a guaranteed day one starter they'll reach out to the 49ers and make an offer so, so the, the, the thing, thing that, that really throws a wrench in this entire thing with garoppolo is that the 49ers gave up so much to get trey lance i feel like if it was just one first round pick that they used to get trey lance it would be fine they would be fine having him ride the bench for one more year I, I, I truly, truly do think that. that. But because they, they had to trade up and give away their first-round pick that they would have used in the last draft, and then they also used a top-three pick in order to get Trey Lance, I think that is a big factor for this. So the fact that you basically used two first-round picks to get a player that might be riding the bench for their entirety of the – their second, second season, season in the NFL, NFL? That, that is something that, that I cannot imagine Shanahan or the 49ers wanting to do, especially because Garoppolo, like, I imagine that entire situation is embarrassing for him. He said that he wishes that 
or he said specifically, specifically I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact quote. quote. But he but said something along the lines of, I would, I would never, never, never wish the pain of the 2021 season on anyone. And, and the reason it was painful for him, it's not for speculation, he said this is why. The reason it was painful for him was because it was just awkward knowing that Trey Lance is just going to be the starter whenever his tenure with the 49ers is up, which he believed would be over by now. He real, I truly do think he did not expect to still be a 49er at this point in the season when they first drafted Trey Lance. Oh, no. I mean, I, I'm shocked he's still a 49er as of right now. Um, I mean, the closest situation you could think of that's like si- at least similar, but obviously not exactly the same, is the Aaron Rodgers-Brett Favre situation. But they had a late round. It was like a late first-round pick. They didn't trade up for Aaron Rodgers. He just fell. And the Packers were like, oh, well, let's just look. Let's just invest in the future now. And they drafted Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, that worked out for them. But he rode the bench for three years. Um, yeah, exactly, and, and I don't think, think they're going to give Lance that time because of how much they gave up for him. And, I mean, you look at this 49ers thing, and this is a key component in it. I think this is, like, the main thing. They have a win-right-now type of team. Like, you look, other than quarterback, they probably have one of the best teams. No, not probably. They have one of the best teams in the NFL if you disregard the, if you disregard the quarterback position. And especially with how weak the NFC is, I mean, that's like that's like a perfect conference to like be in win now mode because you got the you got the Packers, Bucks, Rams, and that's really it for like the the major three you have to worry about in that in that uh, conference. So there's there's an easy chance for the 49ers to either win that division like and pull the carpet out from under the Rams who just won the Super Bowl. Or, like, you know, and go on another run. I mean, they were in the NFC Championship game last year. So, anything's possible. You, you look, look at this team now, now and the fact that they have Debo Samuel, Samuel, who is probably only going to get better every year. year. Do, you Do you think, think if Garoppolo is their quarterback, quarterback they, they can legitimately win a Super Bowl? I, I want to say yes, only because he's done just enough to get them there. I mean, they went to the Super Bowl in 2019, you know, and he was fine. You know, he, he did his job, which is all you really need to do as like a game managing franchise quarterback. And, and then they were in the NFC championship game last year, which is still shockingly impressive for a guy like Jimmy G, who in my opinion is just an average quarterback at best. Um, And so if he just continues to do his job, there's no, there's no reason to believe that they can't go on another run. Um, but uh, I don't, um, it's, it's like a 50, it's a 50, 50, like they definitely have the, they have the capability to go on a run. Um, but I mean, things would have to go, go their way. Um, which obviously didn't happen last year. Um, but anything's possible. So, so now, now after answering that, that how, how... How, How well do you, do you think, think this team would be able to with Trey Lance at quarterback? Do you think that he's a guy who could lead them to a Super Bowl without everything going their way? Not right now. Only because his lack of he – he only started, what, like one game? And he, he was started, fine. Yeah, yeah he, he started, started two or three, I want to say. Oh, okay. Well, so, again, small small sample size, but he at least got a taste of what the NFL is. Um not right now, but he does he does make it more difficult for opposing defenses because he is mo- very, very mobile and underratedly fast. 
um, which I think is something that Kyle Shanahan is like, like gnawing at like at the bone to like unleash, especially upon the NFC, um, where it's like now it's the, it's the Lamar Jackson effect from 2019. Like in his MVP season, no one really could know if they were going to have to stop Lamar or if they were going to have to stop Lamar's arm. So they could have the same situation with Trey Lance, but you have the proven commodity in Jimmy G compared to Trey Lance. So if I had to pick one, I would still pick the proven commodity who literally went to a Super Bowl with this team and was in the NFC championship game last year. than a second year quarterback who's got two to three games under his belt and wasn't really lighting it up, but he was making a little bit, he's making a couple good plays. Now, now here's, here's where, where I kind of want to just slightly disagree. disagree. If, if they, they start, start Garoppolo, Garoppolo, it's not because they legitimately think Garoppolo can lead them far. It's because they know Lance can't, right? And, and I really do think Garoppolo is not a starter. <laughs> like, I'm being completely honest. I know that's a little bit of a hot take, but you look at what the 49ers do and how much they have to baby him in order to be a successful team. No, that's fair. I don't understand how he can't manage to win a Super Bowl. You look at this supporting cast, the fact that he was able to have a Super Bowl run when he had not many passing yards, pretty bad stats. And I mean, yeah, you want to label him a game manager. Oh, he just executes the offense. The thing is, I would say Kirk Cousins is a game manager, right? I would say even Ryan Tannehill, for the most part, game manager. Garoppolo, oh, right. he can't even successfully play the role of a game manager. I really do think that. Because with the game manager, when they get the ball, you're certain they're going to make the right decision. They're not going to throw an interception, anything of the sort. Like, you have that confidence. With Jimmy Garoppolo, when he gets the ball, he could somehow find a way to miss a slant by five yards and it lands in a defender's hand. Like, it is amazing the way that he somehow finds a way to lose games on the easiest of plays. No, that's a, that's a fair that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah, I mean, you I, you could probably you could if you swapped Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins at like I I they the 49ers would definitely have a a better chance with Kirk Cousins as their game managing quarterback than Jimmy G, but. That's just, that, I think that's more of a testament to their coaching. I mean, the 49ers coaching is, yeah. all, like, next level. But we, we saw the literal best-case scenario in 2019 with Garoppolo there. I think that that's the best it's going to get with Garoppolo there. It is never going to be better than that. It just isn't. They will never have a better chance, unless they change the quarterback, to win a Super Bowl with Garoppolo there. And that's why I think they traded – a first-round pick, pick, and then used another first-round pick in order to get Trey Lance. Basically giving up two first-round picks to get Trey Lance. Because they knew Garoppolo led them as far as he possibly could. And the babying, I think I think Shanahan's sick of it. I really do. I do not think Shanahan wants to do this entire, oh, I can only use this quarter of the playbook because I know Garoppolo can't deal with normal plays. Hey, I mean, if Sean McVay can do it with Jared Goff and just get a better quarterback in Matt Stafford, I mean, there's, I mean, the like, the only difference is that the Lions obviously aren't looking for a quarterback right now, or they probably ship Jimmy G off to Detroit. 
I, I also, also like golf more. Like, is golf more of exactly what I said, a below average game manager? manager? Yes. But at least with him, when he gets the ball, um, I don't constantly think he's going to throw a pick. That's fair. Yeah, no, golf's got he has his moments. Um, yeah. but is he some, some great quarterback? No, but at least when he gets the ball. I'm certain he's at least going to complete a pass or not throw it directly to a defender. With Garoppolo, I can't say that. It is the risk factor of Carson Wentz with none of the upside. Yeah, no, I can see that. And that's exactly why I don't think that they can start him another year. With this roster, no. Their their floor is definitely higher with Jimmy G starting, but their ceiling is definitely a lot higher if they just start Trey Lance. Exactly, and I think, again, this team... It, it, it could win a Super Bowl, Bowl right now. now. They're, They're going to have to extend Nick Bosa. They're, They're going to have to extend Debo Samuel. Samuel. Extend all, all these guys. guys. And when they extend those guys, they're not going to have the money to afford all these players on the team. They're going to have to get rid of some guys. For all we know, Fred Warner might not be on the team much longer. Nick Bosa might not be on the team much longer. So the Super Bowl window is right now. It's only going to get tougher. I mean, you're, I'll say that's that's a you're not wrong. Um, I mean, I'll say if there if there's any year to go on a Super Bowl run, at least for the NFC, it's this year. Again, when it's just such a top heavy like situation, like the AFC, that the AFC is a whole different level of difficulty in terms of the whole conference. NFC, you have those three the three big bads, Rams because they just won the Super Bowl, Bucks and the Packers. After that, like it's anyone's, it's anyone's guess. There. You could, yeah, you could throw the Eagles in there now. Now that they got uh, AJ Brown, AJ so, Brown. and yeah. and the Cowboys too. But I mean, uh, the the NFC East is just so weird. Like you're never really sure who's going to come out on top. Their, their schedule, schedule is super easy, easy but I'm, I'm telling, telling you right now, now that the, the Cowboys, Cowboys are. The, I mean, with how much they they, they got, got so much worse over the offseason, season, they're probably the single most downgraded, worst team. In the entire NFL, over the offseason. Honestly, there's, honestly, there's an, there's an argument to be made there. Yeah, like losing Leo Collins, losing Amari Cooper, losing all these guys. I really do not think that there's a chance that they're a better team than last year. Maybe they sneak into the playoffs again because the NFC is super weak, like you said, but. If, if they, they couldn't make it past the first round last year, no shot in hell they're making it past the first round this year. Oh, so I, I can, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. So, so we, we mentioned, mentioned the AFC and, and how much tougher the AFC is. The main reason the AFC is seen as a tougher conference is because they have one specific division where all four of the teams, you can at least make an argument that they'll win the Super Bowl. Now, now, I, I want, want you to tell me, in the AFC West, West which teams do you think are going to be the ones to miss the playoffs? Oh, all right. Well, I'm going to shout out somebody. Shout out JB Fantasy on TikTok. Um, he's a Raiders fan. Um, but I have to say, unfortunately, the Raiders will probably miss the playoffs or have the highest chance to. Only because the Chiefs are still the team to beat until proven otherwise. I know they lost Tyreek, but... It's Andy Reid. He made Alex Smith look like a top-level quarterback. It, anything's possible with him. The Broncos, they got Russell Wilson. Their offense is going to come back a lot better than they were last year. 
and their defense is very underrated. And the Chargers, yeah, they missed the playoffs last year, but I mean, you got Justin, they, they revamped that defense heavily. So to see them, if they missed the playoffs for a third straight season, that's, that would be the most shocking thing I would ever see in my life. Or not my life, but like in the, in recent memory. Um, I think the Raiders, just their defense outside of Max Crosby and um, Yannick um, as their pass rushing duo. Yannick's gone as Chandler Jones, Jones now. Oh, it is Chandler Jones. Right. So it's even better. That That's fair. Yeah, I'll say. So outside of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, I mean, who who's on their defense? Who Who's going to be able to make those plays um, on defense to support the offense? Now, the offense got better. They got Devontae Adams. They got one of the best receivers in the league, arguably the best receiver in the league. And, I mean, they have Darren Waller coming back. I mean, Derek Carrs, he's a good quarterback. He's guaranteed top 15, if not top 12. Um, But it's just one of those, like, on paper, they they might have gotten a little bit better or at least look better because they made the playoffs last year. But I, I just I don't see a situation or a scenario where they make the playoffs. Um, I just I, I think the other three teams in that division are just just that much better. So, so I completely agree. agree. I, I have Raiders four. I, I have the division playing out. She's still the best team. team. Chargers second best. Broncos third, and the Raiders as the worst. And for me, the reason is well, yeah, the defense is not going to be quite as good. But I think that on paper, at least the offense is going to make up for it. Because you look, you got Derek Carr, who I consider one of the you know top ten-ish quarterbacks in the league. He has his moments, yeah. Darren, Darren Waller. Waller. Come on. Like, like I don't need to I mean, say much I mean, it's, it's Darren Waller. It guarantee. I mean, it's it's in whatever order. I mean, it's Travis Kelsey's first, in my opinion, at this point. But then it's Kittle. between him, Mark Andrews, and Kittle. Um, Kittle just can't stay healthy. Um, compared to Travis Kelsey, that's why I have Kelsey above him. Yeah, um, that's reasonable. But yeah, but like two through four between Andrews, Kittle, and Waller, it's honestly personal preference. Um, and just what you, what you believe in who and who's better and does what better. So, yeah, I mean, and Devonte and Darren Waller, and Derek Carr, like that, that's a great trio right there. Yeah, yeah, and, and then one, one person you forgot to mention there, there Hunter Renfro. Renfro. Oh yeah, one of the best he, slot receivers in the league. Yeah, yeah one, one of the best, best slot receivers, receivers one, one of the best, best route runners, runners to pair with probably the best route runner in the NFL. Again, Derek Carr throwing him the ball. And, and the, the, the key, key thing, thing that not many people are mentioning, Josh McDaniels, McDaniels is their head coach now. The, the offensive coordinator behind the Patriots dynasty is now the head coach of a team that has Darren Waller, who is one of the top head ends in the league, Devontae Adams, who is probably the best receiver in the league, and then Hunter Renfro, who does that remind you of anyone? Anyone on that Patriots team that Josh McDaniels dominated the league with? I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna guess you're talking about Julian Edelman. Of course I am. Of course I am. I mean, come on, not quite Gronk. I don't want to say Darren Waller's Gronk, but you have a Gronk-like player. Then you have your equivalent of Julian Edelman, and then on top of that, you have. I mean, what Patriots receiver can you even compare that to? I guess Antonio Brown, the one year he was there, or the one week he was there, right? I mean, their best. I mean, the Patriots' best receiver at least in that dynasty, was Randy Moss. Obviously, Devonta Adams is not on Randy Moss's level. But in terms of that wide receiver one who, like, you would definitely trust in, like, almost any scenario on the field, you would trust Randy Moss 
in his prime with the Patriots, like 07, 07 Moss, you could definitely yeah, trust Devontae in almost like any situation. Josh McDaniels, you know? Oh, God. Um, I feel, I feel like, like it would be Antonio, Antonio Brown, Brown for that one week, no? no? I mean, yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I honestly can't, I can't think of anyone. Um, I, get, I get it to stretch, but in, in that Dolphins game, game he, I, I think he caught two touchdowns in that yeah. one game. Before, Before he got cut by the team, like, a couple days later. Yeah. But, come on. I The Raiders offense has a very legitimate shot to be the best highest scoring offense in the entire NFL, especially considering the shootouts that they're going to be in with the Broncos, with the Chargers, with the Chiefs. I mean, that, yeah, that's, that's not wrong at all. And again, if, if their defense underwhelms, which I, I personally think they will, they'll be forced to throw the ball more and have to score a lot more points. So that's, it's honestly not, I don't think it's that hot of a take as some people might think it is to say that the Raiders will have like a top three to five offense in the league, if not the best. But you, but you may, may think, think if I said, said that right there, why do I saw the Raiders at four? It's exactly what you said. said. The defense is going to be bad. And, and although I mentioned Josh McDaniels, McDaniels is like a pro, pro as in like a, oh, this, this is really, really going to benefit their team. team. I, I love him as an offensive coordinator. coordinator. We, we saw how poor of a head coach he was on the Broncos in the early 2010s. 2010s. Yeah, it was not, not good. Do, Do we, we think he's that different? I know it's been like a decade, but still, what makes what should make us believe that he's going to be that much better now. I get it. He grew as a person, as a coach. Understandable. But I'll believe it when I see it. And really in such a tight, tight AFC, stuff like that is going to hurt him. Oh, yeah. I mean, to play devil's advocate, his quarterback situation and receiving situation is like 10 times better than what his situation was on those on that Broncos team back in like 2010, 2011. Um, so the pieces are there for him, but again, yeah, it's just, it's just a wait and see. Cause it's like, yeah, we have, we have the proof that you haven't been a good coach with albeit like middling talent, but now you have the pieces. You have a, you have a good quarterback, great receiving core and like it's right there. So sh- like basically just show us what you can do. My question is his ability to lead the team. And, you know, again, maybe that shouldn't exactly be what knocks the team out of the playoffs, but the AFC, specifically the AFC West, is so tight. Stuff like that is going to be way more important and be the difference between whether or not you make it into the playoffs. Yeah, and I think as a as a rookie head coach, again, um, like – yeah, I just don't think in year one it's gonna it's gonna work, or it's gonna mesh in just the right way to get them that extra push to make the playoffs. Um, but I'm not gonna go. As, I'm not gonna like say they're gonna have like a, they're gonna end up like a top five draft pick. They'll probably finish with like at worst seven wins, and that's like at worst. And that's if things go wrong. Like if that that the needles tipping the wrong way in some of the in some games for them to make it that that way, but. Another nine and eight season or eight and nine is definitely not out of the realm. Or ten and seven, and they could just uh, just miss the playoffs based off tiebreakers or something. And I, I think just to give them credit, I think both of us agree. If the Raiders were in the NFC playoff lock, correct? Oh, hundred percent playoff lock. Um, depending on division, they could be the division winner, but like definitely playoff lock. 
without, without a doubt. So, so I just want to make it clear to the Raiders fans, fans we're not hating on your team. team. It's, it's just that division is too tough for them yeah. to – I don't want to say have a shot because they have a shot. But for them to be the favorite or even be the second or even third favorite, I can't really say that. The, the cons the cons just slightly outweigh the pros and that's in that scenario and that's just unfortunately how it crumbles right now yeah, yeah okay. okay so, so one, one last thing, thing I want to talk about to end this up do you think that it is a bad take or do you think it's unrealistic for the Bengals to miss the playoffs have a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover after nearly winning it last year so, obviously, as a Ravens fan, I'll get called biased for it, but it's not unreasonable. Um, now, on paper, they have gotten better, but we've seen teams get better on paper and then not show up, a.k.a. the 2019 Browns, um, after everyone hyped them up and then they went and finished 6-10. and 10. Like, and which My difference there, there – I'm sorry to interrupt, interrupt you, but my difference there, there is – the 2019 Browns, they went from a pretty good team, they still didn't make it to the playoffs or let alone make it to the Super Bowl, to, oh yeah, we love them and they might win a Super Bowl because, oh look, they have very flashy Odell Beckham Jr. Oh look, they have Kareem Hunt. He was a great running back for the Chiefs. Like, there's a difference there. I feel like Talking about them and the 2019 Browns in the same light is pretty disrespectful to this Bengals team, in all honesty. And that's fair. That's understandable. Um, I just, I honestly just couldn't think of another like reference. Um, I guess would be the word for it. But in the AFC, I mean, the Bengals were, went 10 and 7 last year, and that was with a fourth place schedule. And I mean, I'm still of the belief of it's an every week league, but logically and realistically, the better teams usually don't play the fourth place schedules that often and that they had the worst winning the worst winning percentage of any division winner at least in AFC North history I think since the division was created in like 02 and now they're now they're they got a target on their backs now as the AFC representatives and now you have the Chiefs looking at, looking at them to get revenge um the Chargers Ravens Browns there's so many teams in the AFC that are looking to show what they're made of and and with just how tough and stacked the AFC is, it's not unreasonable to see to see them miss the playoffs, but I if I had to put money on it, I'd say they still make the playoffs. Maybe not win the division, but again it's between them and the Ravens to win the division in all honesty. So and I think you gotta throw the Browns in there now with Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson plays, you throw them in there, but if he doesn't play, I don't see that happening at all. I mean, I'm going to be honest here, and I know I already said one super hot take in terms of quarterbacks, but I want to say, and I, this shouldn't be a hot take. I truly do believe this. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo hot take, I understand why that's a hot take because not many people see it, and many people see it as, oh, he made it to a Super Bowl. So I think he's a pretty good quarterback. So I understand why that's a hot take, but this I just don't understand. I think Baker Mayfield, if he comes in, the Browns are going to be just fine. Are they, they going to be, be as good as they would with Deshaun Watson? No. But Baker Mayfield being as bad as he was last year wasn't because Baker Mayfield's a bad player. It's because Baker Mayfield is a moron who decides to keep playing when he's hurt. 
Oh, I 100% agree with that take. Um, I mean, the, the only issue is that I don't see Baker playing for them. I After, with that whole Deshaun Watson situation of them signing him to a fully guaranteed contract of $230 million, the, Brown, the Browns, they, they put their foot in the ground. They're like, he's our guy, not you. And now Baker could still play and be like, oh, let me just play so that other teams can see that I, like, that I can be that guy, which financially could, I mean, it could definitely benefit Baker, but I think just as him with his personality and stuff, I just don't, I think he would rather watch the Browns suffer and burn at least this season than play another down for them. Okay. okay, So so let's let's say, say, here's my question. question. I'm going off just, you don't don't have have to look at the schedule, schedule, schedule. I'm just, I'm just going, going like, like in general. general. If, if you, if the Browns specifically are in a spot where they have to start Jacoby Brissett, who is their quarterback after Baker Mayfield, if they're in a spot where they have to start him for seven games, how many of them do you think they win? Just against like the most mediocre team. Jacoby Brissett's probably one of the better backups in the league. And their offense is so – the Browns' offense is also very run-heavy just based off of – I mean, just they have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So I could definitely see them pulling off like three to four wins um, out of seven. But, again, yeah, obviously not knowing their schedule, but, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'd probably say four wins max. Um, with that's if That's if everything goes their way and he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And that just means a heavy dose of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Which we know they can do. Oh, easily. And they still have one of the best offensive lines in the league. So if they do have to require Brissett to pass, I think they'll be able to give him enough time in a, in a decent pocket to at least make some plays. Um, but, I, yeah, like best case scenario would be four wins. Um, but if I had to be more realistic, I'd probably say two. So hearing that, I guess two out of seven, seven is not very good. good. Uh, but, but I think if they win four games, like, personally, even if Deshaun Watson doesn't play, I think seven games is worst-case scenario. That's how many games he misses. There's no way he's missing a season. Just because of, like, how important he is for the NFL marketing. He's a, star, he's a franchise quarterback on a team that... Bad news or any any publicity, even bad publicity, is still publicity. So... so yeah, yeah, and I, I, agree, I agree, but I think just the fact that Watson is so important for NFL marketing, especially in Cleveland, they're going to try and limit how long he gets suspended. I think seven games is by far worst-case scenario. If, Deshaun, if sorry, Jacoby Brissett is starting for seven of those games, you say worst-case scenario, he wins two. So that's like worst of worst. Deshaun Watson misses seven games, and... Jacoby reset plays and only wins two. You understand why I say you gotta at least throw the rounds into the conversation for division winner, right? I mean, yeah, and again, especially with the AFC in general. I mean, yeah, if they win, if that does happen, in worst case scenario, they win two two games out of seven, so they're two and five. I mean, they could still make it work with Watson and get hot late in the season and make the playoffs or at least get a winning record. And because that's also keeping in mind, Baker might be playing. So that's like, for that to all happen, 
and, and you, you just, just said they, they could still miss, miss they, they could, could still make the playoffs with that all happening. For that to all happen, the Browns would have to get rid of Baker. Deshaun Watson would have to get suspended for seven games. Jacoby Brissett would have to only win two out of the seven. And yet you still have them almost making the playoffs. I feel like the Browns, you could even make an argument for them being the favorite. Yeah, I mean, you could. I, I do think just because, I mean, Bengals, AOC representatives, so them and the Ravens coming back healthy, they're kind of like the two teams you kind of have to worry, you kind of pay attention to more in terms of who's going to win the division. But the Browns are definitely in that, can be in that mix if things go certain ways, um, like we just just talked about. Um, if they do win more than two games, I would definitely contribute it to their defense too because their defense is low-key good, at least on paper. Um, but they're such, a, they're such a question mark that you can make an argument for them in both aspects. Okay, but I, I want to rewind a little bit. This started as a conversation about the Bengals, and I got a little bit off track because you didn't mention the Browns on that list. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> the Bengals were one of the healthiest teams in football last year. The odds of that happening again are low. I, I really struggle to see the Bengals being – the favorite to make the playoffs first off and win the division first off. And second off, just win the division, period. Like, I, I struggle to see that happen. And let's not act like it's blasphemous for the team that makes it to the playoffs and loses or makes it to the Super Bowl and loses for that team to miss the playoffs the year after. Let's not act like that's an outlandish topic because it happens all the time. But you were saying, you, you sorry. Oh, no. Like, so, again, yeah, like, the Super Bowl hangover w- could hit them like a truck. And I hope I hope it does. I mean, if they miss the playoffs, I will cherish that moment. But it's just one of those until proven otherwise situations where um, they've shown that they have the offensive playmakers and the ability to get into shootouts. And that's with a bad offensive line, at least in terms of pass blocking. And they revamped that. Um, again, on paper, at least it looks they revamped it. Um, still have to wait to see them in action. But I mean, you got yeah, you got the three teams in the AFC West. You got the Ravens, the Bills, and those I would say are like the heavy hitters. Um, and then you have the Patriots and the Dolphins, and um, that like the tight. I mean, Titans you could list as a heavy hitter too. Um, you have like the Colts and everything. So. It's so it's so difficult it's so difficult to project and predict what could happen because there's so many scenarios where the Bengals could m- make the playoffs or miss them. But if I had to if I had to choose, I might go back. If I said that they might make the playoffs this year, I might I might go back on that and say they missed the playoffs because it's not unreasonable. Yeah, I, I mean it's, it's so hard to judge it because on one hand you expect the Browns, or, or sorry, you expect the Bengals to get more injuries and be worse just because of that. And maybe teams are going to try and figure out Joe Burrow more than they did last year. But then on the other hand, the offensive line was one of the worst in football last year. And now it's serviceable. So that's a big upgrade. And then they brought in some players in the draft too. So 
it, it's, it's difficult, difficult to, to really give a fair judgment on it. So I completely understand what you're saying. Anyway, I'm, I was super glad to have you on. Thanks for coming on. Is there anything you want to say before we wrap it up? Um. No, I mean, I'll say I appreciate you having me on. Um, I know I, I ram- ramble a little bit, but, you know, I mean, that's that's how podcasting goes. Completely <laughs> fine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this was great. This was and for a first time podcasting, uh, at least being a guest. This is it was a great experience. Loved, I would say love to be on here again uh, in the future if time and um, the situation allows. But, yeah, um, again, my TikTok is Rob Talks Football, um, Rob underscore Talks underscore Football, if you can't find it. Um, and yeah, it was just a pleasure to be here. All right. Thanks Thanks for coming on. on. And And I I hope to have you on in the future too. Sweet.